Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Well, just the other night, Perez Hilton was voted off uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. He formed an incredible relationship with my best friend, Miguel Maestre, and I reached out to him on social media, suspecting that he wouldn't call back, quite frankly, but he did, and now we're about to have a chat. Hello? Is that Perez? Yes. How are you, mate? I am so tired right now, but happy. You know, I, I reached out on social media. I'm not sure if it was you that was responding to it or, or your sister, but uh, when they came back, no, I, was just, oh, I was just so thrilled. And, uh, and I want to say thanks from the outset. It's a really funny thing, mate. Um, I'm not a celebrity sort of guy. I'm not a Hollywood I don't know much about any of that stuff. On Miguel's show, The Living Room, I work with him and I'm a sort of the design and DIY guy and, um, and this isn't my genre at all. But, you know, as soon as you walked into that jungle and started talking to Miguel in Spanish and I saw his, his face just lit up and with that, I just joy just flooded right through my body and, and I think you fell in love with him as quick as I did. So uh, I, I was really keen to reach out to you. Well, I think everybody fell in love with him. I, 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 I'm not sure because I haven't been uh, paying close attention to what everybody's been saying once they've left the jungle. But I, I would find it really hard to imagine that a single person in that camp has any negative thing to say about him. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, this Miguel is high energy. Uh, and a lot of people say, I don't know how his wife Sasha puts up with it. But I, as I always say <laughs> to everybody, and, and you get this better than most, he is one of the most compassionate men on, on earth. And, uh, and you couple that with warm food and a tummy, you're in a pretty good place, aren't you? Well, I'm high energy, and my mother is even more high energy than me, which is why I instantly loved Miguel and why he instantly felt like family and home to me. You know, some of the the campmates said about me that I'm OTT, over the top, but I view that as a compliment. Yes, I am over the top, but not all the time. And neither is Miguel, which is something I want to stress. You know, he is such a... Full human. It's not yeah. a caricature. You know, I'm I'm a full human, not a caricature either. I'm not over the top all the time, but when I'm big, I go way big. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You're very successful, and and the reason you're successful, I I believe, it's not because you are OTT as you call it. It's because you're aggressive, you're competitive, and you back yourself. How competitive did you feel you were going to be before you went into the jungle? And and then once you're in the jungle, did you stay competitive? I think I maybe made a mistake by telling others that I was competitive, but I wasn't trying to compete against them. I was really just trying to compete against myself. 
and making sure that I made the most of that experience. And I just pushed myself because everything about that was scary, uncomfortable, and new to me. Mm. I'm not a nature guy. I'd never gone camping before. Even the, the thought of like, oh my gosh, what happened? Like one night I was freaking out because I woke up in the middle of the night to have to go use the bathroom and the fire was out and I didn't know what to do. How do you get the fire back on? I went to the talk talkie and I'm like, I don't want to wake anybody up. The fire is out. I'm trying to blow my hat to, to cause oxygen to light it up again. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm competitive in everything I do, but maybe competitive isn't the, the, the best word. I, I just... If I agree to do something, I, I want to do it to the best of my abilities. Like, I don't, uh, um, uh, this isn't really cursing, uh, so you can bleep it if it is. No. I don't have to ask anything, you no. know? I, I, I always do it at 110%. And yeah. I think maybe that's another thing that Miguel and I have in common. It's that immigrant work ethic. You know, that immigrant mentality that my parents ingrained in me from a young age. You know, we never had anything given to us. We had to, they both, my mom and dad had to start their lives over again in Miami from scratch. And I've carried that inside of me my whole life. I don't see it as uh, competitive against others. I'm with you. It's a, it's a competition or, or it's the way you push yourself. You want the most from yourself and that comes – I mean, I'm not an immigrant in any way. I'm one of your dinky-die Aussies that uh, just seems to be here forever. <laughs> but, you know, like Miguel and like you, I grew up with nurture and sense of belonging and a sense of security and, and a real sense of work ethic. And, and I think that's what gives us the strength – that it takes to, to back yourself and, and be successful and be competitive with yourself. But um, can, I, uh, can I tell you a little secret? I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts, um, the one that you do, and it was before you went into the jungle because you've just said that you're not a camping guy. And through the podcast, I encourage everybody to listen to it, but through the podcast, a bug dropped on your shoulder and you literally oh get ready to bleep. You literally shit yourself, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, before bed every night, I just pour, basically poured. I, I sprayed myself with so much bug spray. There was no need for me to use any body lotion or moisturizer or whatever. My beauty routine in the jungle was just bug spray, more bug spray, and even more bug spray. Because, I mean, I guess if it, and there were bugs during the day, but I didn't want to have to worry about bugs at night, like crawling in my nose or my ears or just all <laughs> over my face. So, yeah, I, I, I put that bug spray to good use. Yeah, too scary for me. You went into the jungle as an intruder. Do you think there was a, an edge to that? Is that, uh, is that an advantage or a disadvantage? Both. I mean, the advantage came in that I was able to watch 10 episodes before I went into the jungle and it really helped me prepare for all of the trials because, you know, I like to be honest, I had not watched I'm a Celeb. I had never even seen the UK version before. I'd never, I don't watch TV, period. I have three kids. I have a podcast, two YouTube channels. I just do so much. I, I barely have time to sleep. So having seen all those 10 episodes was invaluable for me. And I think mentally being prepared for the worst, the scariest, the grossest, whatever it may be, really helped me push myself and do all of those trials. 
but like I've said, and it really can't be expressed, the hunger I was not prepared for, like the true lack of food. Not even just that, like just normally, like how I eat is even different. Like I used to be very, very, very heavy, very, very heavy. And I've worked very hard to be healthy here in Los Angeles, which for me, that means I work out regularly, but also I eat a lot of meals throughout the day, small, healthy meals and snacks constantly. So to go from constantly snacking and eating to just three meals a day, you know, and, and I was going through that all by myself. I was, as they call it, detoxing from sugar and salt and blah, 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 while all of the other campmates had already done that. But yeah, so that was the big advantage. But the intruder thing, and I'll give you a little scoop. I have not mentioned this anywhere, not even when I posted my own video about the experience. Everything happens for a reason, let me tell you. Yeah. You know, when I got the offer to do this, they always wanted me to come in late as the intruder, which I think they've, for some reason, it's what they like to do with, quote, international celebrities. The big stars, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I said to my manager, I was like, well, I kind of want to, do it from the beginning and start like when everybody else does. But then they explained the reasonings behind it. And they are like, well, if you go in late, you can just get more attention and more publicity for yourself. And I'm like, well, speak no further. Now that you explain it to me, I'm all about attention and publicity for myself. I'm super honest. But had I gone in at the beginning with everybody else, not only would I have had time to bond with all of the other campmates, I would have had more time to bond with the viewers. So as a viewer, because I had seen the first 10 episodes, this is not BS, I genuinely would have voted myself out or, or, or not voted to save me. And I should have gone when I left because all of those other people put in not even two, two and a half weeks more than me. And I was in there for just eight days I could not even imagine having to triple that amount. It's just wild and insane. And I can't wait to watch this Sunday's show with not just Miguel, but with his family and all yeah. of the families. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy for all of them. I am also so excited about that. And uh, you said that you felt that you went at the right time. You said that to Chris and Julia. You also just said that pe- people – didn't get to love you the way they should. I think a lot of people fell in love really quick with you. It was interesting. When you stood up uh, in that debate, and I saw it as a debate that Miguel was having with um, Ryan and Charlotte, I I stood up with you. I was literally standing up in my lounge room, screaming at the TV like crazy 60-year-old Australians do, saying, get off his back. He's not arguing. He's just trying to have a conversation. Can't you have a conversation? Did that – was that – did that really blow your mind, that conversation? Oh, you have no idea. It really, truly blew my mind because then that the rest of that entire day, I was in such a hole, so low, because I, I understand that I should not have gotten as heated as I did and not spoken as loudly as I did. But, some, but also, it does go back to the cultural thing. Latinos, Cubans crazy Spaniards. <laughs> yeah. A lot of us just speak very loudly. That's just what we grew up with in our houses. That doesn't mean 
we're violent or we're going to get violent or it's scary. I mean, we're just very passionate, very loud people. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, I mean, my fa- I'm an Aussie family and we lived in that same household. I'd have mates come and stay with us and they'd think that my dad and I were about to have a punch up, but it was just a spirited discussion. You're a, yeah. I, I, and I'm not going to kid anybody. I didn't know you that well before you went in the jungle, but I saw in you that there's a lot of emotion and, and, yes, and yes. I, I hold a lot of emotion. And when I have something like that happen to me, it doesn't go away quickly, does it? Oh, no, the whole day. You know, what was really just the worst is like I really thought in my mind I was doing the right thing, defending this man who had been so kind to every single person, not just through feeding them, but also just opening his heart to them, helping everybody in every way possible. And this woman and her boyfriend in the jungle were it was this two against one and she was making it personal saying he woke up in a bad mood and that he had been his, he's often judgy and all of these things and because i was an intruder i was you know just sitting back minding my own business until miguel specifically said oh is everybody just going to be quiet and not say anything mm. and at that point like he's asking for support and i was more than happy and ready to support this amazing person who had been incredible to me and everybody else there so yeah. then everybody everybody was if it felt to me like after that everybody else in that camp was more upset at me than they were at these other two people and especially what also triggered the reason i don't even know if the, i haven't seen anything yet because i spent a day and a half in the air and i spent all of today just sleeping this hmm. this guy who was in my opinion, being unfair. Ryan, straight that up is. told Yeah, I don't even want to mention his name. Ryan. Mm-hmm. He yeah. told me to shut up. Yeah. And when he told me to shut up, it had the opposite effect. You know, like I some women, I don't want to general a good number of women, I would say, are conditioned from birth to shy away from conflict. And then a good number of men are conditioned from birth. When you're punched, you punch back. When you're poked, you poke back, you know? And it's just like, I really learned so much from this experience, but one of the biggest takeaways for me as a person is at home, never, and I and I, I feel awful because I have done this in the past. Like if one of my children is screaming at another or just has done or said something really bad, I've told my kids, shut up, don't speak to your brother like this, or don't speak to your sister, or shut up, or whatever it is. Hmm. It's really important to at all times feel seen and heard, even if you're absolutely wrong and out of line. Hmm. I will never tell my kids to shut up. I will say, well, you're completely wrong or out of line for these reasons. But it's just, I was like, wow, the power of shut up in hindsight. And also for me as a parent, you know, after that incident, that person, Ryan, hmm. antagonized me several times on purpose. And the old me, the younger, stupider, just worse me, would have probably fought back. But after that Banana Gate incident, every hmm. other time in my 
duration during my duration in the camp where he would poke me. I just put myself in timeout. I left. And that's a good lesson also to apply in the real world. Like if a person or my kids or whomever are just mm. a, a bit much instead of responding in anger, just put yourself in timeout, which I I used to not do that, and I found it very helpful, especially for the sanity and 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 happiness of everybody else. You know, I really was trying to be mindful of all the other people in that camp because even the ones that didn't get the chance to know me or didn't want to get to know me like Miguel did, at least for the most part, everybody was professional and cordial, and while they may not have been chatty, at least they weren't mean or nasty or rude. So I, I wanted to, for them, keep the camp a pleasant environment and experience because you know these people are going out and doing these trials that are not pleasant and that are very, very hard. You know, I really want to say thanks for saying all that. I mean, what you've just said is my philosophy on life. You need to talk, as you know, and we'll talk about charity in a little bit, but Miguel is an amazing ambassador for Are You OK Day. It's a charity that we're both a part of out here. And and that's just an awareness program that te- that is proven that if you talk things out, if you, de- you know, develop a conversation into into any sort of meaning, it's it, – it, increases the value of humanity and makes life better for everybody and and you've just taught me something i mean our children are are much the same age but you're right as dads and as parents every now and then we say just shut up but you're right no let's develop this argument let's develop uh an understanding a better understanding of each other and that's that's good humanity mate i congratulate you on that just having you articulate it then as you did congratulations that that's that was fantastic. And um, while we're on that, let's talk about your charity because uh, you had to choose an Australian charity, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have to, but they, they encouraged me to when I was happy to because, yeah. you know, I, I, the whole time I was cognizant of this is for Australian television and how special that I could be on Australian TV now providing a distraction for people given everything happening there. So even, you know, I, I it, actually going back to what you said a minute ago, like mm. ha- being an intruder was more a blessing than not because at the end of the day, it gave me great freedom and liberty. Like I never, I knew I was never going to win. I knew I was never going to make it far. I didn't want to win. I didn't, I didn't want to make it quote far. I just wanted to make it however long the journey took me and i was like because of that i don't need to do anything other than be myself i don't need to worry like oh if i do this or if i do that will it upset viewers will australians not like me if i do this or i do that i was just fully completely myself at all times good or bad and whether you like me or didn't like me at least hopefully i provided a distraction for people but <laughs> myself and all of the campmates were always keeping australia in our hearts and minds talking about what was going on back home yeah. and i you know i i was having a lot of conversations as well with the show and it shocked me to to be made aware that because of the devastation of the fires other charities th- this year are going to suffer they're going to miss out so yeah. many people yeah so many people are donating money as they should 
to the relief efforts. So I put some real thought into, well, you know, the, the show's already and the network going to be donating to the, the, the fires and the relief efforts. What else could I contribute to Australia? And, you know, children are a huge part of my life, not just my own, but, but others. In, in America, I was on the board of directors of the VH1 Save the Music Foundation, which helps to reinstate music programs in public schools that have had them cut out due to lack of funding. And I've also raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for another charity that's been dear to me called GLSEN, the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. So I knew that whatever I chose had to be something youth-centric and then I found out about Oz Child, which helps to find homes for children in foster care and also helps recruit families and train them. And they offer so many other services. And uh, after I got out, I, you know, because I, I had no contact with them before, I just told the show, this is the one that really speaks to me. And then when I got out and I saw how moved and touched they were and how they were just so happy, it really moved me even even more and also now makes me want to do even more for them you know because also especially this charity it's not about money really it's about opening your hearts and opening your homes mm. and that's something that that people can do and 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 i don't know how it works in australia but in the united states i think i'm pretty sure that if you decide to become a foster family that the government does help financially help you support those children so it's not about money it's just about can you provide a safe nurturing environment for these especially vulnerable youngsters and i i hope that people can at least consider being more involved or just even getting more information about oz child Mate, that's a, it's a beautiful statement. You're an incredible ambassador, accidental ambassador possibly, but a beautiful ambassador for that charity. And I'll, I'll make sure a link to that charity is in the show notes of this podcast so anybody can go along. As Perez has just said, you've got to remember this is what Perez is talking about is just helping the most vulnerable people in our country. Yep, there's a lot of people suffering with bushfires at the moment. And we've Perez, we've been through a terrible drought. I support mental health and um, suicide prevention, but you've got to say the most vulnerable people on earth, and it's, it's given me a little lump in the throat just to say it, are, are little children without parents. Uh, no one could need more help than, uh, than them, so I encourage anybody to have a look at Oz Child. That's, uh, I really commend you for that, mate. That's fantastic. Um, what was it like? Uh, uh, there's been, you know, I've been questioned about the jungle and would I go? And uh, I've got my twins, Bennett and Arabella. Um, not, I'm not sure if you know, but uh, we share that in common as well. My beautiful angels were the seventh attempt of surrogacy, and um, and yeah. I was blessed for those guys. That I I say <laughs> I couldn't eat that food, which you you had no problem at scenes with that. Um, I can't stand snakes your first <laughs> night in the viper pit was incredible i was screaming in my own lounge room but you couldn't tear me away from the children for that time was that the most difficult thing about being in the jungle for you <laughs> no being away from my kids for a little bit and from being away from from my normal life just for a bit felt like a vacation god I, I i stop it i love your honesty you crack me up everything you said in that camp 
was honest. And the more you talk, the more I love you. The more you talk on this podcast, the more I love you. It's so funny. I want to hug you through this microphone. It's a cracker. Well, and, and, and I say that just because, you know, I'm not one of those like part-time dads. Like I am such a hands-on, full, more than full-time parent. And that takes so much time and energy. So it was just nice to just be like, okay, I know that, that they're more than happy. Actually, maybe even happy. No, they're not even happier. But, you know, uh, my mom was taking great care of them. And my sister was also helping. And I have a nanny that also helped. I knew I wasn't likely and I wasn't in there that long. But still, from start to finish, I was gone from them for 16 days, which is a really long time for yeah. me. And uh, I also... If you're ever going to do it, I have a, a bunch of tips and, and, and <laughs> things that I would have done differently. But even if you're not, if you're whomever is listening, uh, not going to enter this experience or the jungle, just the brain is such a powerful thing. Even though when I was in the jungle, I was wearing my kids, my luxury item were these two T-shirts that I had with their yeah. photo on it. I purposely did not look at it. I didn't want to be having a physical reminder of them. And then mentally, I just did not allow myself to often think about my kids. I had to like shut that off because if you open that door, then it's really hard to close it and you start to worry or you just get, I wanted to just be super present and focused and, 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 you had to compartmentalize things yeah. to keep moving forward, which is all I wanted to do. Because if you don't keep moving forward in that stressful pressure cooker, hard environment, then you could break. And, you know, the lack of food makes you fragile enough to begin with. I didn't want to break in there. No, no. And tell me, um, I know a lot of people have asked you and, and people ask me to ask you, but I'm not going to. You sprinted out of the jungle and uh, mm-hmm. we've, we've all heard the reasons and not reasons and all about that. But where you are heading? What's next for you? A- apart from your obvious, y- y- your normal work in Hollywood, what's, what's the next big thing for Perez? Well, I'm going to be co-hosting ITV's Good Morning Britain Oscars special with Piers Morgan and Susanna Reid. So I'm looking forward to that. We're doing that here live in Los Angeles. And I've got some other fun things later in the year. But I would really, really love to figure out and find a way that I could come to Australia. Maybe this summer, which would be your your guys' winter. Even though but it's probably not even that cold in Australia. But um I'm really cheap. <laughs> so I need to find a way. <laughs> but what get, do you charge? Get, They're going to want to know what you charge, though. <laughs> no, I'm I just would do it for, if, no, I would no. do it for free. All I care about is a free vacation. If I can find a way to get my family and me there for free, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll promote something. I don't know. I'll do whatever. Well, well Channel 10's got all the shows. We've got the, uh, the, the celebrity, the mass singer. We've got the survivor. We've got Dancing with the Stars. I can only imagine you're an amazing dancer. I mean, I love to dance, but I'm not a trained dancer. And the whole concept of 
dancing is scary to me because I was never good at math or counting. And I think that's how they learn to dance, right? One, two, like, that's just stressful. Like, oh my God, I can't keep up with this counting. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I would do it. Listen, I'm honest. Uh, I, well, I got an incredible work ethic. I love to work. And also dad's got a lot of bills to pay. <laughs> well, I'm sure the bosses at 10 are listening. What would be your pick of shows? Would it be the Mars Singer? Would it be the dancing show? Or would you like to try and be a survivor? I would love to do them all, plus maybe even be a, a regular contributor from Los Angeles on The Project or Studio 10. I love that. Let's I hope make it happen. Let's hope the bosses <laughs> of Channel 10 are listening. <laughs> and if you're listening, write into Channel 10 and say that's what you want to see and, and business class if possible. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, Husey here. You can't get enough of Husey. We have a problem. Channel 10's hit show. Well, now there's more to get. We've got a podcast. Find it at your favorite podcast app. Listen, something uh, happened. It was very tragic while you guys were in the jungle. A lot happened. But the the loss of Kobe, uh, I have a friend that was in LA and, and she said it just overcame the place with grief. Now, you would normally report on that sort of thing, but uh, apparently someone had reported on it before the family had even heard about it. What are your thoughts on that? Can you fill me in on, on what's happened there and, and how that's affecting people? Yeah, I mean, you know, I am very mindful now that I'm older and wiser and I have children of what I do and don't do on my website. And for many, many, many years, like there are things that are bigger than a scoop. There are things that are more important than an exclusive, like doing the right thing. And the right thing for me is being very careful when I'm dealing with sensitive things, not even just life or death things like health related things. Like I've sometimes seen if somebody is, getting cancer treatments like i would never post photos of a celebrity at a hospital leaving the hospital going to the hospital i'd never post photos of private health things or, or information about private health things i'd never post photos about of celebrities in mourning or going to a funeral which is crazy because i bet you whenever the kobe bryant funeral happens the mainstream media as a whole will be posting funeral photos of mm. his wife at the funeral or this celebrity at the funeral. I don't want to post that. I don't also want to see that myself as, mm. as a general. Like, I, that's just, I don't need to see that. You can report that the funeral happened and not sh- show people leaving or going to it. Uh, you know, in so many ways, I, I think it's just important to see the bigger picture. Like even also with children, I have this no kids policy on my website. I won't post paparazzi photos of celebrity children because I don't want to be encouraging paparazzi to follow 
celebrities when they have their children or to, to, to going to their school or whatever it may be. So I, I, I am not shocked that that one outlet did that. You know, they've done other things, but you know, I, I, all I can focus on is what I do and don't do on my site. Yeah, it's um, I'm 60 next birthday, so, so um, social media and that sort of thing is something that you know it's only been around in a very short time in my life. What's your thought? Uh, my twins are seven year old. I know you've got um, the three children. I think they're two, four, and six. What are your thoughts with yeah, social well, they- media? And when's your when do you feel someone who's sort of made a business out of social media when when is it the right time for children to join that um the right time for children to join that platform well first of all my kids don't have an ipad they don't have phones either Mm. (laughs) and they won't have anything like that until i'm told by their teachers that they need it when Mm. that moment comes that school says they need this or that then they'll get it until then I, I don't know. I mean, I probably won't let my kids have social media until 13. Mm. Maybe it could be like a rite of passage. Okay, when you're a teenager, that's going to be you're on your way to being an adult. And I'm going to start treating you like an adult and there'll be more responsibility. And social with social media comes a lot of responsibility because yeah. as we've seen over the last few years, so many celebrities – And even non-celebrities, I'm sure it happens to everybody, but a lot of celebrities have been apologizing and paying the price for awful, dumb, stupid things they said when they were younger. Hmm. So I'll have to have these conversations with them and tell them that, yes, there's a lot of fun to be had, but also this is public and you need to be mindful of what you're saying publicly, even if you think it's private. There is no such thing as privacy on social media. Even if you've got your Twitter or Instagram set to private, mm. you've still got friends that follow you that could screen grab things and ultimately share things or whatever it may be. So uh, it's part of your job as a parent is just to educate. You're, you're as much of a teacher as the teachers at school. So... Yeah, more so, I I, believe. Yeah, I I will be teaching my kids a lot about social media when that time comes, but it's it's many a year away, I would say. As a dad, I I think the the years are flying personally, watching my kids grow so fast in front of me. But uh, what I've done with the social media thing, I know that, like you said, I would have thought around 12, 13, and I've got mates. uh, Funny thing for me, Perez, is that all my mates – their children have children the same age as my children. It, uh, it took me 19 years to have the children, so uh, it's a long plan. But what I've done, I've, I've set up social media accounts for both children. Uh, I, I did it a while ago. They don't have any access to it. But what I'm doing is documenting. So I, the first photo I posted was the day they were born, and I wrote what oh. I thought that day and their their first family trip away, and and I wrote little messages to them. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but I have a terminal disease and uh, a shortened lifespan, so to speak. So I'm trying to bank as many personal memories as possible, but I also want them to one day see their Instagram account as a diary of their life and. 
you know, if I last longer than we think, I would forget these thoughts. So as they're happening them, I'm writing them down and I'm telling them how much I love them and why this day was so special. And then when they get 12, 13, 14, whatever it is, I hope they'll then see that as something to be proud of and not a tits and ass sort of a display, if you will. Absolutely. I just, well, God, wow. I did not know that. Um, Oh, don't worry about that side of it. By no means do I take a negative attitude to this. I'm going full bore. Statistics don't look great, but if you ask me, I'm killing it. (laughs) Mind the pun. (laughs) I sort of of have a similar approach. You know, I... I, this might surprise you, but I s- mostly hate social media just because it's my job and I spend so much time on it. But on the flip side, I love that over the last couple of years, I've made YouTube a mm. big priority because if I hadn't, then I wouldn't take as much video as I have been. And I love that for the last many years, I've really been documenting my children's lives through video, which yeah. is something that I wish I had of my dad. Oh, gosh. Mm. Anyways, I'm still a little emotional from everything. <laughs> uh, my dad passed away when I was 15. And mm. while I have a lot of photos of my dad, you know, he died in 1994. Mm. You know, back then, there just wasn't as much video as there is now. And I wish I would have had more video of my dad so when my kids are older they're not only going to have all of these photos but they're going to have all of these videos of us not just like random videos too but Mm. i'm not the best editor but i've you know i'll put together semi-edited videos of this was our day at universal studios or this was our day here and this was our day there and you know even i get emotional looking back at a video i posted three years years ago because kids can change so much in three years so you know everything in life everything it's yin and yang everything has a positive and a negative and even you know something like you said like your attitude on this awful thing that some people would not have such a positive attitude on it's really it's really how you think about it how you deal with it and and how you attack it yeah, I, like you said, I I believe in banking good memories. I don't I don't put much uh, emphasis on banking bad memories and negativity. So, you and me are both dads of of these children that are developing so quickly. It's impossible to remember all those things. So I just find. You know, I remember just it wasn't so long ago. Uh, you know, I'm away a lot with work, and I, and I was walking back to the uh, walking to the car that was waiting for me out the front, and I turned back and uh, I took a I took a photo of the kids waving to me on the balcony. And you know, when I got in the car, I just wrote them a letter that day about um, what they mean to me. It's uh, yeah, because like you said, we're lucky. Most of your and my life is documented now. And in generations to come, your great-great-grandchildren will be able to watch Grandpa Perez and, and see what a larrikin <laughs> he was. And, and, uh, and, and, and can you imagine the laughs they're going to have? Can I ask you, what, what message would you give to Miguel? Uh, or or what, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Is there a message? Is there something that you want him to say that we haven't heard yet? Is there, is there something that the viewers should know that, that only you and me know? Because I've got to say, I know just about everything I mean, about him. <laughs> I would just, I'm not going to pretend to know Miguel as well as you. So I will just say what his dad said. 
which really is the truth. You know, his father, when he sent that video along with his mom, said that you're the winner regardless of the outcome. And that's yeah. so true. It's, but, but I really want him to win. <laughs> yeah. I'd, uh, uh, this isn't probably the right structure of podcast, but I, if you've got five more minutes, I'm just going to tell you a story and everybody can hear this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a winner before he went into that jungle and in many ways he's an, he's an incredible ambassador for Are You OK, our charity. And um, it, was an on, uh, it was on an Are You OK day uh, function in regional Australia Miguel and I had flown in as celebrities, so to speak. We draw media attention to the area. But in regional Australia, Perez, um, unemployment, uh, and, you know, it can be tougher in the country. There's no doubt about it. And in this particular town, there was a lot of people. There was a bit of an ice problem in the town, and uh, there was a lot of homeless, and, and there was a lot of people struggling. And we were there in a big yellow bus with, are you okay scribe down the side of it and we had this sausage sizzle going and there was police and councillors and 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 it was just a way to bring community together to talk because we know how helpful talk can be and and I had done a speech a talk about the fact that in in the early 2000s I was very depressed and 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 contemplated suicide myself and and after that people a uh, particular one person came to me and he was a big homeless man. And I'm, and both Miguel and I are big men, but this guy was, to say the least, scary. And uh, he was talking about, well, he was bipolar, but he was also, I'm going to mispronounce this, but schizophrenia, where you, you have people talking to him. Literally, in his mind, people were talking to him about murder and stuff while he was talking to us it was a scare while he was talking to me it was a very scary situation and quite frankly above my pay grade i needed a social worker at very least and uh miguel saw he must have saw my face i wasn't scared but i needed help and miguel must have saw seen that and he came over and put his arms around me as he does and uh and said how you going baza in that beautiful spanish accent and i said oh miguel my our friend here is uh i said uh this man i didn't say friend i said this man i'm gonna go and get a friend of mine to have a chat to him because you know he he, he would like to have a chat would you mind waiting for me waiting with him just while i get because literally I didn't. I wasn't sure where this could go, and it was so funny. I expected Miguel to to just stand there and, and not do too much, but it was funny. I went and got a council worker and 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 one of the other uh, health workers, and when we came back over, Miguel sort of jested for the those two to stay away, and he brought me into the conversation. This is a big, scary man. Miguel said, "Baza, Baza, our friend needs a sausage sandwich." And I said, yeah, there's some sausage sandwiches over here. And he goes, no, no, Baza. He said, we'll make him one together. We'll all make some food together. And Miguel, I'm going to cry telling you about it. Miguel cleaned, take all the sausages away to the side and he cleaned the, the uh, barbecue plate down. He selected a new sausage, a single sausage out of, the, out of the freezer. And he put it on. He did his thing with his salt and his pepper. He buttered the bread and... And he filled that, and he and he and he gave it to that guy. He put so much love into a simple sausage sandwich, and then gave it to to the man. Put that beautiful warm food in his body, and then said to the counselor and so and social worker, "Hey guys, come and join us for food. That's the most important thing. Not come and talk to this guy because he's crazy. Come and join us and have food with us." 
he's just a special guy. I hope everybody realises how, how important he is in our society. He's, a, he's an amazing husband. He's an incredible dad. But he, and he's an, an amazing support to me and a, and a great friend to you as well, I believe now. But he's just a good human. And I just hope everybody votes for him this Sunday. Absolutely. Don't take anything for granted. Vote more than once. Everything would be right if he did. I love Rhonda, and if she, she won, she's a legend as well. But I don't know. Miguel's just the real winner in my in my eyes. Well, so are you, mate, and we've loved seeing you in the jungle on our show. I hope to see you next year on all three shows. So I'll, I'll be nudging the right people. When I see you, I'm going to give you a big hug. You can know that. Thanks for chatting to me on Hammer at Home. And um, as I said, I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person. Love to you and the, and the family. Likewise. And, and, and may, may everything you said come true. Amen. <laughs> Love you, mate. Take care. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Well, thanks for listening to that chat with Perez. I really enjoyed it. If you've got any questions about that chat or, or there's anything you want to, to ask me about, uh, you can contact me at Hammer at Home at network10.com.au. We learn a lot more about Perez. We, we got to know a little bit more what happens in the jungle. What's important is that you vote. And, of course, ask a friend if they're okay. It could change your life. Take it easy, everyone. Straight from the jungles of South Africa. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here as Tanya Hennessy delves deep into the lives of her castmates. Nights are long in the jungle, and what better way to pass the time than to reveal your innermost feelings? Tanya's sexy jungle podcast. Find it on the 10 Speaks page on 10 Play or wherever you listen to your bodies. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Podcast. 